For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast at an unorthodox time, Friday morning, 11 a.m., because the New York Yankees signed Carlos Rodon. The left-hander is going to be Garrett Cole's number two for the next six years, not seven like he was demanding, not $30 million a year. They looked Scott Boris in the eye for like a week, and in the most obvious pairing of all time, people got him to his demands. Uh, they did it. Now, this is a good deal for Rodon. This is a guy who was non-tendered by the White Sox after the 2020 season, had to sign a one-year, $3 million deal to build his value back up. And, oh, boy, did he ever do that. But the Yankees still probably got a bargain here. And we're going to be talking about what it means uh, for the rest of the roster to get this over with. It seemed fair to say how Steinbrenner would be done after Judge. Now it seems fair to say he's going to be done after Rodon. But based on the breadcrumbs, actually, maybe not. Uh, Is this the best rotation in baseball? Is this the best rotation in Yankees? history it's actually worth thinking about that and did booing Hal Steinbrenner set this all off at Derek Jeter day uh it's hard to say that that isn't the case but Thomas Carinante welcome to the pod uh man that was a tough week of Jack Curry tweeting the Yankees were interested in run on uh then a bunch of fans saying after 24 hours had passed that the Yankees were liars and a shitty organization and they never should have gassed us up to believe they were actually going to sign Rodon. And here comes Drew Smiley and Cashman is laughing and, and he's sleeping and he's on the streets of Stamford, Connecticut. And then another day goes by and it's like, oh, the Twins are going to outbid us. I can't believe they waited to do Rodon until after the Correa signing because now the Twins have all this money. And, of course, the Yankees are going to lose a bidding war to the Twins, a team that Carlos Rodon does not want to go to. Meanwhile, there are videos of him singing New York, New York at his pre-draft Team USA video. He said to CeCe Sabathia last year when CeCe said you'd be good in the Bronx, there's still time. There was still time. He wanted to go here. And the Yankees outbid the Twins, and they got the job done. So I would like an apology from all of Twitter now. That would be great. <laughs> I would love that too. Elon, get on it. We need. Uh, we need Elon to... in Twitter's final days. This is important. I want you to <laughs> the Yankees Twitter together and apologize for the Carlos Rodon Discord. And you know what? You can, if if Twitter is done, you can save the apology for Mastodon or I'll or... be on. I'll be on post. I'll be the first post troll. It'll be like all, all legit Pinterest. media, all legit media. And I'll be tweeting like the Red Sox, Heimbloom sucks. And they'll be like, okay, like bring that back to Twitter. Oh yeah. Um, the funniest thing about this deal that we didn't uh, talk about yet is yeah. Scott Boris per Red Sox beat writers um, wrapped up this deal at Fenway park after Masataka Yoshida's introductory press conference yeah. um, in Boston. So that's Eating Red Sox food. 
that's having the good a little shit. ice cream, having a little yeah. ice cream from the ice cream machine, yeah. just texting back and forth with Hal. Yeah. Fenway Frank, maybe Meatball on a Cone, but then I heard Meatball on a Cone is no longer at Fenway, which is a travesty because that was like the best concession they had. Anyway, um, this was exactly what we were expecting. We said it was going to take time. We said it was going to be between five and seven years with an elevated AAV. Um, I think you could call this quote a bargain based on what the initial demands were. Seven years over 200 million, 30 million AAV. It's a 27 million AAV. It's a six year deal. There's a no trade clause. It's $162 million. I think this is a fine deal. Um, This is what big market teams have to do. Do I think it's the biggest bargain of all time? Not at all. Uh, I think Scott Boris set the bar really high to get what he actually wanted. Carlos Rodon, I love him. I've wanted him on this team for two years now. Still a lot of question marks with health. Still a lot of question marks with longevity. He's seemingly hitting a stride right now at uh, his age 28, 29, and going into age 30 season. So um, back-to-back all-star, back-to-back top six Cy Young finisher. Um, You take that any day of the week. So we are thrilled that this deal got done. We knew it was going to take time. It was a nuanced free agency case with the question marks around him, with the agent representing him, with the market that he had. The Giants clearly took themselves out of this race after they had signed Manaya and uh, Ross Stripling, as we had talked about yesterday. Um, so once that happened and the buzz was still in the Yankees' favor based on what everybody was talking about, you knew it was only – it was just they needed to they needed to hammer out some details. They needed to know who was truly in the race, and they knew how much they would have to outbid them by. What was that report that just came out? The Twins offered five for 140. Yeah. Was- which would have been a higher AAV. Clearly, he wanted a little bit more security. He got an extra year for $22 million, which brought the AAV down, but he's a New York Yankee, which I think weighs much greater in that decision-making because the Twins lost their best player. They still have many other question marks across that roster. They were unable to make the playoffs last year despite a number of moves that would have suggested they could have competed better in a very weak AL Central. Um, so I don't, I never took the twins seriously as a contender there. Um, I know sometimes we get into these discussions, right. Where it's like, well, it's a Boris client. The destination doesn't really matter because they just want the most money. They want to set the market. They want to like Chris Bryant signing with the Rockies. It's like, why did that even happen? I wanted to sign with the Rockies. Did he really? No, he wanted a shitload of money and he got it. Um, but Rodon clearly wanted to be here based on, all of the previous video clippings we've seen, words that he has said, um, his hatred for the Astros, which is amazing. So uh, last night was a great feeling. Um, Was I over the moon? Not really, because I had a weird feeling it was always going to happen, but I was just very glad it was across the finish line. And I'm glad we don't have to see babies on Twitter anymore talking about how this is the most frustrating free agency case recent Yankees history that they've ever seen. Deal is done. It took maybe a total I'll, I'll even give you I'll give you two weeks that this dragged out and and really ruined your poor little lives. Uh, doom scrolling through Twitter trying to figure out if you're going to get a really good pitcher or not. Grow up. I mean, you knew they were in on him, the, and you knew they were. You're right. It's it's not like a total shocker that no. the Carlos Rodon thing goes down, but it, it was a little bit surprising that uh, you know what what you're hoping for is it doesn't collapse at the finish line. It, mm-hmm. You know, you know he doesn't want to go to the Twins. You know he doesn't want to be a twin. 
you know that if you see him having an introductory press conference with the twins, that something went horribly wrong. That like Hal Steinbrenner caused Scott Boris to storm out of the room with some sort of low ball offer because he's the twins are not outbidding the Yankees and Rodon doesn't want the twins. So if he's holding up a new twins Jersey and saying, he can't wait to bring his trademark intensity to the twin cities. That means that like, Steinbrenner insulted Boris's wife and like it's going to be a Dodger situation where they just never sign any of these clients again because five years 140 yeah it's respectable money from the twins if that's real and it seems to be the the legitimate twins offer uh it's one year fewer than the Yankees offered and it's less money obviously than the Yankees offered um so it's not like a deal to be laughed at but again it was outbid the Yankees topped it so uh people still yesterday were saying yeah, you know, I'm not worried that, uh, you know, the first offer from the Yankees, I don't want them bidding against themselves, obviously, but what I'm worried about is somewhere down the line, them just getting blown out of the water. And say what you will for the Yankees, and I, and we will criticize them plenty, but that doesn't happen. When they really want a guy, they don't get blown out of the water, or it's the Padres offering $414 million for Aaron Judge, and Judge saying, no, I want to continue my Yankees legacy. But People were giving examples of Man- Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, Scherzer. The Yankees didn't talk to those people, which is embarrassing. It's embarrassing in a whole different way. They made mm-hmm. personnel decisions to not take their meetings with those players seriously. But they didn't get blown out of the water. They didn't offer. And if they offered, they offered something absurd that the player would never even uh, entertain. Unless it was, unless Bryce Harper said, I'm not signing anywhere but the Yankees. The Yankees were like, great, four and 90. They give him the Xander Bogarts extension. Then, yeah, sure. But you're giving me countless examples of the Yankees operating frustratingly in a different way. Of them saying, we don't want to play in this end of the market. We don't want Carlos Correa. We're not interested in Manny Machado. That was really frustrating. That was the Yankees not using their full financial might. But saying for a week, we want Carlos Rodon, as you watch the challengers peel away like the outside of an onion, like, oh, there go the Giants. They just signed two starters. Oh, the Dodgers. Yeah, they just signed Noah Syndergaard. So I guess a short-term deal is off the table there. The Red Sox are interested. Well, no, they're not. Their beat writers are saying they're not. The Cardinals are. Well, Katie Wu, the Athletic, is saying they're not even looking. Then it's just down to the Twins and Yankees, and it's a staring contest. And congratulations to the Yankees for – not getting this, get, avoiding seven years, getting the job done with Andrew Benintendi still on the table, which is like the weirdest part of this whole thing. And, uh, you know, securing the player and securing the player on a deal that makes some sense. It's not, it's not chump change. It's not another $300 million player, but it's not, you know, uh, uh, it, it's more than Jameson Tyone is making. But would you rather have Carlos Rodon coming off two years where it seems like he's found it Maybe his innings cap is something like 180, 170. Maybe you don't want to push him too far beyond that. I understand. They probably won't have to. They have Domingo Herman. They have Clark Schmidt for now. They have Matt Crook. This rotation is good enough. They're going to be able to give some AAA guys some spot starts. This rotation is incredible. Yeah. And we'll pivot there. But would you rather have Rodon at $27 million annually for the next six years, a guy who wants to be here, a guy you don't have to convince – to put on the pinstripes, or would you rather have age 40 and 41 of Justin Verlander at $43.3 million? The Mets are a wild franchise, and no Mets spending affects any other Mets spending, but the Yankees don't operate in that stratosphere. Like, 
Rodon is the third best pitcher on the market this offseason behind Verlander and Jacob deGrom. I don't want to pay Verlander, who doesn't want to be here and struggles in the World Series, $43 million. And I don't want to pay glass arm Jacob deGrom for five years. Sorry. This is the most appealing pitching option on the free agent market to me and has created potentially the best rotation in baseball. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. I couldn't agree more. I, I, I wouldn't have complained with Verlander. It's a matter of what would you rather have? Um, I'd rather have a guy with a little bit more shelf life. I'd rather have a guy seemingly stumbling into his prime, um, which is good for the length of the contract. Again, it, it all, it all depends on what you think is the best fit, how you feel about it. I don't care about the finances, but there is an argument to be had because the Yankees don't operate budgetless. They don't operate, you know, throwing money around like, you know, maybe they used to back in the two thousands when they had the highest payroll by far. Um, so I'm loving this deal. This was something we've been looking at and targeting for a while, but you know, and the fans being nervous about, you know, missing out maybe on the first few targets uh, maybe warrants a larger social, social experiment about, Yankees fans being a little bit triggered and scarred from what's happened, um, especially the younger generation of fans who didn't live through what we were able to live through, even though we were still kids when all that, when, when all that success happened. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're, if you're between the ages of what, 20 and 25, you didn't really experience any of it. Right. If so, you're 20 in 2009, you were seven. Like, yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, that's like that's like us being seven or eight years old in '98 and '99. I loved it; it was great, I but I don't have any 
I don't have any attachment to that. I wasn't, my frontal lobe wasn't developed. I couldn't appreciate how awesome it was. No, um, at a certain point, uh, everybody in school who's a Met fan made fun of you for being a fan of the team that bought championships. And when I was like 11, I started rooting for the Phillies because I was like, I'm bored. I win the World Series every year and everybody hates me. Okay, great. I'm going to find a, an NL team. Hates everybody hates me and I win every single year. So it's like it's losing its cachet. That's I don't I don't like that. If I think I would have had more fun with the dynasty if I were in my 20s than if I were. Oh, yeah. 100 percent. 100 percent. Um, and yeah, best rotation in baseball, probably who's better. Probably. Who would you, who would you say is better? I don't know. There's many, maybe some of the top ends elsewhere you could argue are better, uh, but front, uh, you know, front end to back end. I'm really not sure. I do think that there are some question marks though. We can have Garrett Cole pitching to a three, five ERA during the regular season. I think everybody can agree upon that. He returned to ace form in the playoffs, so that was promising. Um, outside of the Chaz McCormick thing, um, I think that he pitched really well and shouldered a lot of the, the – the, in the DS, he got the job done. I understand it was the Guardians. I understand that that's not a fearsome offense, but you pitch well, you shut down the opposition on the in the biggest game of the season. doesn't really matter. It's a moot point. He did what he had to do. Um, yeah, so – you had 2021 where he was clearly compromised by the hamstring. Um, and you had this past year where some days he was pitching like he was unstoppable. And then some days it's like, is he a number four? What's going on? So do you, here's think- an actual valid question. Do you think Boston fans are going to stop tweeting the video of Xander Bogarts homering off Garrett Cole in the wildcard game, considering there's, we now have the easiest counter in the world to that. Do you think, do you think that clip is done? Will we ever see that again? Man, I hope so because that's that's an infuriating clip because you knew it was going to happen. We're watching the game; you know it's going to happen. Um, I mean, hey, if they want to live in the past, that's their problem. Red Sox didn't win the World Series. Xander Bogart's not on the team anymore. I feel that clip holds no sway over me. You're going to be responding to that clip with Bogart's in a Padres jersey, Don Orsillo in a Padres polo. Like it's actually really fucking easy. Like no game in the history of baseball is less relevant to 2023 than the 2021 Wild Card game. It is true. It's very true. Um, but yeah, on, on the Cole subject, I'm not saying the jury's out, but I think he has the help now as the, the true number two behind him, assuming Rodon can stay healthy. I think that's where he's been most successful. You saw his years in Houston. Obviously, we are under the assumption something was going on there with the doctoring of baseballs. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had Verlander in front of him. There was clearly a comfort level where the pressure was taken off. And then look, you elevate him into New York, the biggest pressure cooker in all of baseball, and he doesn't really have help in the rotation the first couple of years. And you could argue that Nestor Cortez, despite his emergence the last two years, still isn't that type of protection. Nestor Cortez, I think, is another slight question mark. Love the guy. Think he's a great pitcher. First year Starting over 14 games was last year. First year pitching beyond 93 innings was last year. I hope for nothing but the best. I hope that this is a continuation of kind of like what Rodon's doing. He's found his stride. He's got past the injuries. He's gotten past, you know, the mechanical issues and uh, and whatever, you know, arsenal tweaks he was making. I'm optimistic, but you can't look at this and be, you know, think it's fully ironclad at this point. 
There's still there's still the questions about Garrett Cole and his blow up starts, which are problematic, no matter how you you know, no matter how you look at it. Even though that's it's it's going to happen with your best pitcher, right? Not every game is going to be a quality start, but Cole typically gets knocked around by the Yankees rivals, or we've seen at times where you know it's kind of a must win game where the Yankees need to get the job done and it just doesn't work out. So adding Rodon to the mix, I think, does a lot of things. Takes pressure off Cole, maybe takes pressure off Nestor, lengthens the rotation. So now you have Montas as a number five, which I think is great. Crazy. It's it's great because this guy was you believed he was a number two at the deadline last year. Clearly wasn't based on um, his injuries or his affinity for pitching in a pitcher's ballpark in Oakland. You look at the splits; it's fairly obvious that that played a giant role in his success. So you have him as the number five, who you thought was a number two. Great. You have Luis Severino, who could be a number two at his ceiling, isn't entirely healthy or. It doesn't like the Yankees, so you put him at number three, number four. Awesome stuff. Top to bottom, I think this is, on paper, the best rotation. has the easy potential to be the best rotation. Um, you kick Domingo Herman out of that fifth spot. You have him as the roving spot starter, first guy out of the bullpen in the event one of the starters blows up and you need three, three to five innings from somebody. This is what we envisioned, right? When Brian Cashman said he was comfortable with going with Domingo Herman and Frankie Montas as the back end, you weren't happy hearing that. Now you have a situation where it's like, okay, we're going to utilize Domingo Herman properly. Hopefully he gets the run that he needs to, to be as successful as he could possibly be. And now the Yankees can just take care of business with these, this core top four who should be able to give you 27 plus starts per year um, and have most of them be quality. And then you are striking fear into your top opponents, which is something the Yankees have had trouble doing over the last five, six years. And odds are pretty high. I think another important factor is you probably won't have to enter the trade deadline looking in the starting pitching market, which is a nightmare, which led to the Yankees overpaying for Montas last year, who is the most overqualified number five starter in baseball. And I say that as someone who's not even like a Montas fan. Like I wanted him last summer because the rotation needed a splash. It's unbelievable that they acquired him, and he basically affected the second half not at all. His shoulder was still barking. He reportedly felt healthy after his weird little playoff outing, which Aaron Boone said yesterday. Good for him. Uh, he was yeah, he was dreadful with the Yankees. He was terrible. But the pedigree is absolutely there, and the pressure is off. He is not the savior. He is not brought here to deliver long-term. He's got one year in the Bronx. He is the number five starter. Go out and pitch to a four or a three, eight ERA dominate. Some nights pitch like a five starter on others. Nobody is looking at you to buoy a playoff rotation. Nestor Cortez, it, you know how good it's going to feel to not have to go into 2023 being like, you don't understand Nestor Cortez. It's, it's a year and a half. It's 2021 and 22. The numbers are real. The underlying metrics are great. We don't even have to justify it anymore. He's the four starter. He's not starting game two of a playoff series. He's nasty Nestor for five innings in game four of a playoff series. And then he could bolt because hopefully the bullpen's rested because Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon and Luis Severino started games one through three. I, and this is a plan for Luis Severino. It, it, you also don't have to get too stagnant here. Let's say Montas doesn't work out. Let's say Sevi breaks down again. They have to go to Herman and they have to go to the minor league depth and whatever. This The last year of them. This is their last year. 
They, they will not be here next year if it doesn't work. They're not going to extend Frankie Montas. They could extend Severino again, probably won't. But there's no nothing's going to get stale. You're going to have a great top two entering free agency next year, and you're going to get a chance to do it all again. The, the offense will probably be mostly handled at that point, too. Because Judge is here, Rizzo is here, LeMahieu is here, Donaldson is gone, the middle infield prospects will be up. I don't think people are giving enough credit to the middle infield prospects. I'm not even a, a you know, the, the offense has problems. They have to fix them. But people saying we're running it back. We're freaking running it back. We are dang running it back. Are forgetting that Oswald Pross is going to start at shortstop this year. Like for the whole year. Not for three games in September. That's not that's not running it back. You took your least favorite player out of the lineup and replaced him with the top prospect. Anthony Volpe is going to be up. Even if they don't get a left fielder, we're secure in. That's not running it back. This is the best rotation to baseball right now. I would still be wary of the Astros in a playoff series without Justin Verlander. I'm not going to say it's Yankees in a walkover because of the you know the scarring. If the Yankees play the Astros and it's Christian Javier, who was a playoff no-hitter and a no-hitter against the Yankees, and Framber and McCullers, I'm not going to say, like, well, yeah, Yankees Yankees clear. Oh, Yankees dominate. Like, that, that's a good – that's a very good rotation without Justin Verlander. But the Yankees is better. I don't know if it's going to – I don't know if they're going to triumph when the two sides butt heads, but I know Yankees didn't have a chance to beat the Astros a month and a half ago, and now they do. So that that's not enough. It's not security – but it, it's a big something. The previous best rotation in the history of the Yankees, many would say 2003. Clemens, Wells, Messina, Pettit, Jeff Weaver. That rotation, the rotation had Jeff Weaver. This rotation has Frankie Montas. This one is better. We'll see. Uh, before we leave, remember when Yankees fans chased away Aaron Judge and all prospective free agents by booing during the playoffs? Remember when Andy Martino said no one would want to come here because the fans were so aggressive? Um, booing Hal Steinbrenner on Derek Jeter Day in early September against the Rays may have changed this franchise's history. It spooked him into chasing Judge maybe a little bit harder than he wanted to. The preseason Judge offer of $200 million, not going to cut it. Spent an extra $160 million just about to retain him. Good job. Then Aaron Judge asked him, get me more. Can you get me more? He said, you think he wanted to? No. Especially because he didn't overwhelm Carlos Rodon and go, seven for 210. Great. Here you go. We need you. No. He nickled and dimed. He talked him down. Got him for 6160, but he got him. And now, no. everybody on the after show yesterday, Jack Curry saying Andrew Benintendi's still on the table for the Yankees in left field. That he's got five-year offers elsewhere and he hasn't signed yet. What does that say? It says that those offers aren't satisfactory. And it says that he's leaving the door open for the Yankees. Mark Feinstein just said, this morning, I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew Benintendi resigns with the Yankees. I would have been stunned to get Rodon and Benintendi. And the old Hal would not have gotten both. In addition to Judge, signing Benintendi, I don't see... Anyway, where that doesn't push them over that Steve Cohen tax threshold that he's refused to go over in the past. He should go over it. I'm not I'm not afraid for Hal here. I'm not saying like, ooh, be careful. Don't go over that threshold. But he hasn't in the past. And signing Benintendi would definitely do that. And yet you still have people connecting 
the Yankees to Benintendi, who's seeking uh, Yoshida's contract. And I don't think that I don't think they'll pay him that. But to even be still connected to him is crazy. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. How did we get here? And and was it all fans booing House Steinbrenner? Because it kind of feels like it was. It kind of does feel like it was. And it kind of feels like all of these dealings with Judge, with Rodon, with even the connection to Benintendi at this point is literally all Hal Steinbrenner. It's not Brian Cashman at all. I don't think there's really any debate for that too, because on what planet is an owner taking a phone call on vacation in Italy to tack on one year and an extra 40 million to a deal for the franchise player. The Pope told him to. <laughs> Aaron Judge is one of our followers. We we really need him in pinstripes. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, like if Hal had tasked Cashman and said, you know what? We're going this high. Here's what we're going to give him. There would have been no need for a phone call, but it's clear that Hal wanted to be involved in some of these dealings, whether it's optics or whether it's, he's just like, you know what? time for me to kind of take control here. Cashman can do what Cashman does, but this is the big boy stuff. I have to kind of be involved in it when, especially when we're talking money in the forties and hundreds of millions for the Rodon deal. You had the hints from Boris talking about how Hal is ready to spend. Who is telling Boris that Hal is ready to spend? It's not Brian Cashman. It's Hal Steinbrenner having a conversation with Scott Boris when he was making all the jokes at the winter meetings. So, um, I think that there has been a pressure from the fan base. And I think that you could even say, was the booing the tipping point? Yeah, probably. But then you had the end of the year, the Yes Network, 
all those respectable people, Michael Kay, um, David Cohn, John Flaherty, all being very critical of the Yankees' decision-making, the Yankees' performance, everything in between. So it was evident that it reached a point. Should it have ever, should it have ever reached that point? It's an argument for another time. I would say no. But I think when it finally hit the fan and everybody was mad because you have fans this mad after losing in the ALCS, it's pretty serious stuff. You miss the playoffs. Like there's a reason to be pissed off. If you miss the playoffs, there's a reason to be pissed off by losing the wild card game on the road against your most hated rival, because you tied them in the standings and you blew 20 games earlier that year that were inexplicable, unacceptable. Now you have a situation where you get to the ALCS, you have a roster that's able to compete. Obviously injuries took their toll, but injuries took their toll for the Astros too. Yankees get swept in an entirely different league than the Astros. The Astros are above and beyond. So Hal Steinbrenner looked at that and was like, fans are complaining, I think. Or I think he looked at it and said, fans are complaining. We, we have a big payroll, but it's clearly not getting the job done, whether it's injuries, whether it's regressions, whether it's unforeseen stuff. And now we are the New York Yankees. We have to take things into our own hands. We have the resources to do it. So here's where I come in and here's where I take it to the next level. Because you could argue the last time the Yankees really took it to the next level was what? 2013 when they signed McCann Ellsbury and Tanaka that was the last time you saw something on Beltron that was the last time we were like oh shit like okay we're ready to go and then after that you can't really pinpoint anything you have the Giancarlo Stanton trade obviously that was supposed to coincide with judges cost effective very good early on years nothing came of it you have DJ LeMahieu which was a blessing in disguise when he was brought on for what, two years and 24 million. And then at that point you had to resign him because he was the most important player on the team. You had Garrett Cole, which was again, an absolute necessity because Luis Severino was breaking down. The rest of the rotation wasn't getting the job done. So it came to a head and the Yankees once again are one of the very few teams in MLB that have the ability to right the wrongs that have been made financially. You can't sit there and yes, the we could, we could talk at length about how a $250 million payroll is more than enough to win a World Series. And it is. It absolutely is. And that's where maybe you have some issues with Brian Cashman about him doing less with more or whatever it may be. But guess what? If you have a $250 million payroll and the gap is this between you and the best team in the AL, that's going to cost you another $70 million to get, to get there. Is that embarrassing? I guess there are people who could laugh at that and say, oh, you need, you know, you need an extra whatever to get there. Maybe you're right, but guess what? I got it. So I'm going to use it and he should be using it. Richest organization in baseball from, you know, from a valuation standpoint, no reason to not do this. And finally woke up and realized that, Hey, now is the time we have these guys. We, we, we got to keep judge. We have a guy in Rodon who could be a fit for the franchise for however longer. And this is where we have to strike. Astros are getting weaker. The past few off seasons, the Yankees have watched the AL get weaker, theoretically, right? Astros lose some guys, Rays lose some guys, Red Sox had some turmoil, and the Yankees sat there content, and they were like, you know what? We're still good. So if these teams are getting worse, we're ostensibly going to be better. Some of the guys are going to you know, wake up from their struggles, right? No, they're not. You can't. You have to, you have to 
put matters into your own hands. You can't just assume, for example, Josh Donaldson is going to have a good year next year, or you can't assume that, oh, you know, DJ was injured last year. He'll be healthy this year, right? Or, oh, Stanton was injured last year. He's going to be healthy this year, right? No, you can't. There, There is no guaranteeing any of that. So you take matters into your own hands now. At this point, if things go wrong, I don't know where you point the finger, but it can't be at Hal Steinbrenner this year. Sorry, guys. Yeah, when you get older, you realize that the Astros' unique advantage could be player development or cheating, and the Yankees' unique advantage is financial. So take advantage of it. Stop trying to be the Rays, which the Red Sox are doing a terrible job of right now, but we were also doing. 2020, we had a rookie start a playoff game and throw one inning and then leave. That was terrible. 2021, we build a roster uh, that's built on spit gum and hope and Jameis and Tyone. We trade a bunch of prospects for, and it's all upside. And there are no defined bullpen roles. And that team, like you said, categorically, like 20 of the worst losses you've ever seen. That is the most unpleasant season of Yankees baseball in my life to date. Far worse the only comparable one is 2013 when you got Mariano Rivera and Andy Pettit retiring. They're going out wimpy. They have no offense, and the Red Sox win the, a surprise World Series. That was extremely painful. But 2021 was far worse because it, it was all there for the taking. Instead, it was the Red Sox rampaging through the playoffs, the Rays winning 100 games, and the Yankees making fumble after fumble after fumble with an incomplete team, with a team that ended up with Greg Allen and Rob Brantley on the field a lot. And we ended up being like, is Ryan Lamar a player? No, he wasn't. But he was I liked him, though. Estevan Florial. I liked Greg Allen. But it, all these guys were so much more interesting than the players who were intended to occupy these roster spots. And then 2022, we find something, right? The Harrison Bader trade makes a lot more sense now than it did when it was made, doesn't it? Jose Trevino, hell of a find. I still think he was injured for the second half of the season. He fouled a ball of his foot and was never the same. But even if he's not an all-star, he's still a piece. He's a glue guy. Oswald Peraza comes up. Volpe is almost ready. They trade for Benintendi. Uh, They have the best first half in the history of the franchise, just about, and everything falls apart. They make it to the ALCS, and they're completely outmatched. Right? Outgunned. Can't have that. The Astros are going to be in your way this year, too. You can't assume that someone else is going to take out the Astros. You got to do it, even without Verlander. Without Correa, without Springer, they have managed to be the Astros. The Yankees are flexing their financial might in an effort to get past them. I can't guarantee they're going to. But again, like we said earlier, they had no chance a month and a half ago. Now they got a chance. It's all you can ask for. It's literally all you can ask for when you have the capability to do these things. Do you have to do it every year? No. Are we asking for a $300 million payroll every year? No. I mean, some idiots might be. You know, there are idiots out there. Regular fans understand the stakes. They know that it's a business. They know that spending, how much does Steve Cohen owe in tax potentially? It's like, it's like 70, 70 million. million. I mean, his payroll is like $357 million and he owes up to $421, yeah. I've seen. Yeah, so we can all sit here and agree that that's not good business unless you have money to burn. Unless Steve Cohen's the Joker doing a head slide down a pyramid of money, then guess what? You can do that. That's great. I don't think most teams can do that. I don't even think a team like the New York Yankees is necessarily super capable of doing that. They don't, I don't know, like they have few other assets, but like they're not, they're not worth $14 billion. They're not hedge fund, hedge fund managers. They, 
manage the New York Yankees. They profit from the New York Yankees. I don't know what those numbers look like. I'm sure it's very healthy, but AC Milan money, I guess yeah. they're getting now, but yeah, yeah. But paying 50 to $70 million in tax every year is, is a dumb thing to do. It's also bad for the sport. It doesn't make any sense why that's the case. Um, I'm not defending the billionaires. It's, it's just obvious that throwing 50 to $70 million away because you're trying to improve a roster that's clearly not up to par is, is not a smart decision. If you're going for the jugular, yeah, a couple of years of paying that tax I think is a great idea. Or if you had made some mistake signings and you need to turn things around to make it up to your fan base, who's paying a ton of money to go to games and enjoy and have concessions and whatnot, like you got to fix that. Um, and I think that that should happen maybe once every four to five years. I don't think that that's unreasonable. Um, Yankees are, have still been contenders over that time. You would have hoped they maybe made a couple better moves around the margins. They didn't. Um, maybe they finish it off at this point, but right now they made the star act. They made the star retainments that they needed to do with judge and Rizzo. They're bringing in Rodon. They brought back Tommy Canely fairly quickly and quietly. Nobody really expected that. And he seems to be back on track. Um, and they've rid themselves with other people who were a problem on the team. World is Chapman. Goodbye. Um, so you like the outlook of how things are going. The Yankees had to weather the storm maybe with some of these expiring contracts before they could justify blowing more money. Um, I'll sympathize with it to an extent, but that's about it. Either way, have a chance. You're right. Have a chance on paper to go toe to toe with the best teams in the league. And there's less of an excuse this time, less of an excuse. Cause last, last year you're riding the high of Nestor Cortez being an, an ace, which nobody expected. So like these types of things coming out of left field are great, but then you have the Yankees who are like, Oh yeah, we'll bank on that. We'll bank on Nestor Cortez being an ace now, right? We'll bank on Luis Severino being healthy for the entire year, right? We'll bank on Clay Holmes being an all-world closer now because he did it for two months last year, right? Can't do that. It's great to have these things. It's great to have them as insurance. It's great to have it fortify the roster, but it, all, so many of them are far from a guarantee. And Steve Cohen going for the jugular. Scherzer and Verlander, they're great. Cole and Rodon, they're great. Two great one-twos. Senga, Quintana, Carrasco against Severino, Cortez, Montas. I'll take our guys for 80 million fewer dollars and, and less tax money. I just I just will. And and we'll see how this all plays out. But it's hard not to be pumped on Friday, December 16th, the morning after the run-on signing. That's it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. We just wanted to bring you a bonus because we couldn't go till Monday before talking about the road on and all the ripples. And hopefully when we're back on Monday live, 2 o'clock Eastern time, p.m., please subscribe to the channel, get the alerts, learn when we're going to be on because it might be a surprise like this. Hopefully we're talking about Benintendi or we're talking about a different left fielder and we're talking about the aftermath and how we round out this roster. Until next time, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib, Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. You can find us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Please head on over to YanksGoYard.com. Plenty of content there. A lot of Rodon stuff. Pretty cool stuff that we're crafting over there. Um, and until then, folks, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Yes, we will. Celebrate today, though. Pop bottle. It's the weekend. Carlos Rodon. See you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.